0: This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here,
1: right now, on The Law School Show. Hi, and welcome to The Law School Show with your host, Paige Meltenberg. Today, I'm here with a professor who almost doesn't need an introduction. He's that well-known in Ottawa. So thank you, Professor Damesis, for being here. Thank you.
0: That's very, very kind.
1: You want to students know you as sort of a mooding guru and a pretty tough professor. I can attest to this because I was in your contracts class. Now, offeror is the master of the offer is seared into my brain.
0: Well, that makes me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely. <laughs>
1: So, can you define for our listeners what mooting really is? I think some people don't really know.
0: Yeah, well, maybe it's uh, easier to define it by what it's not. Sometimes people assume mooting is just some sort of exercise that's moot, the origin of the word, but the word itself doesn't really do justice to what the exercise is. The exercise is about training students to become great advocates, it really teaches you how to think about legal problems, how to structure them. And then how to present them, uh, actually just communicating them in a way that will persuade your listener. So it's all those skills wrapped up and probably a dozen more.
1: How about we start then with how you got involved with mooting? Start from the beginning. Where did you go to law school? Oh, wow. Well, I, I
0: actually attended University of Ottawa and mooted here at the faculty. And my supervisor, my coach, was Professor Tony Van Duser. The, uh, he is the man when it comes to business organizations, among many other things, international trade, investor state. He's a great contracts prof. I really uh, learned a lot from Professor Van Duzer and owe him <clears throat> quite a bit. He really um, ventured me over the years, and he was my coach. So that's what, where it all started with me.
1: So were you any good at mooting in I guess you'd have to
0: ask him, but... <laughs> um, I did okay. I did okay.
1: What would you say was your best and worst mooting experience as a competitor?
0: My best mooting experience was being told by the judges afterwards that. I don't really want to put it in those terms, it sounds a bit arrogant, but at the time it was. They claimed I was the best that they had seen so far, so that felt great. My worst experience was when. I made a very big mistake when I was a bit tired, it's not an excuse, but I was frustrated with a judge who didn't seem to understand what I was saying, and instead of trying harder to get the judge to understand, I took a little shot at the judge, because I knew that the judge was not looking at the right part of the legislation, so I simply said, well, if you would just look to the right place, you'd understand the argument. Yeah, (laughs) that was a mistake.
1: (laughs) <laughs> what did he say after?
0: He looked me in the eye, turned the page to where it was without ever looking at the page, but the whole time keeping his eyes fixed on me and said, please continue.
1: Oh, God. And I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> okay, so at the University of Ottawa, there's a whole bunch of moots you can get involved with. Yeah. Commercial law, labor law, and arbitration, and there are even international moots, which yes. Ottawa has actually fared quite well in. Yes. At the 2015 VIS moot. Uh, One of the organizers said that Ottawa is one of the most successful teams in the history of the moot. And didn't we also just win the nationals for the Jessup? Yeah,
0: and we also won that this moot two years later, after he made that comment just last year. Yes, we we do well at these international law moots. I think it's a function of many moving pieces at our faculty. First, we have a very strong faculty in international law, both private and public. So our students have access to great profs. The area in particular, the two areas the VIS deals with are two areas that I teach on international arbitration and international sales law, which is just a very fancy contract. And we, uh, yeah, we seem to have figured out what it is that the international community wants, and it's not a big secret. They want strong arguments expressed clearly.
1: I've heard that we've even beaten, like, Harvard Law School. Is that true?
0: Uh, Often, often. I know that's a feather in other people's caps. It's really not a feather in mine.
1: Oh, really? Yeah,
0: it's it's expected that we beat them. Right, of course. <laughs> they're they're a fine school and their coach actually I know their coach and they they always have excellent teams. They're very well trained, very well prepared, so it's always a pleasure going up against teams like that.
1: So, how long have you been coaching?
0: Well, at the University of Ottawa, I, I think I started around 2003 coaching teams here. I coached a team when I was working in Austria. And they're a team from Russia that I that our firm was helping to sponsor. But yeah, I guess it's been about 15 years, going on 15 years that I've been coaching moot teams between the VIS, Jessup, and the FDI, the Foreign Direct Investment Moot.
1: So what's your favorite part about being a coach?
0: Oh, it's all about the students, really. It's My favorite part is seeing a student who Never realized he or she could be an advocate, and just teaching them how to become an advocate. And when they go on the world stage and realize that they can beat everyone, uh, I, it's transformative for them. So for me, that's what it is. I know early on, it probably, winning was was fun, but, and I love, uh, it's always fun to win, but there's been enough winning that it's not really about winning for me anymore. It's about helping students just find their voice.
1: Oh, Wow. So, how does the process work for students who are interested in becoming a part of your moot team?
0: Well, they have to try out in September. The third week of September is usually when we hold the tryouts for all our moots, all our competitive moots, with the exception of a few. And I put together a problem at the end of August, which I post on our website. And then I ask students to effectively argue one way or the other for five to seven minutes.
1: Do they get through a lot of their arguments? Never.
0: Never. Never. <laughs> And I warn them in advance. I tell them, really, you should maybe prepare for about three and a half minutes because that's the most you'll get because I question along the way. Just because mooting is that. It's not about it's not public speaking. It's not getting up and reading a speech or memorizing a speech. It's about having a position and working through it.
1: And working on your feet. That's right. right. So once you've selected your moot team for any of the moots that you do, what work goes into building a successful team?
0: that's, it's hard because it's different every year. You know, you have to work with what you've got. At least that's, that's my philosophy. I don't try to change people. So depending on what I have, I come up with a strategy on how to get the best out of that group of students. Some stuff that is all of the same is just a matter of hard work. Teaching students how to think about law is terribly important. That's probably the, the, the hardest lesson to teach is how to think about the law then it's up to the students the harder they work the better they'll do and then it's just a matter of researching, writing having me criticize the writing which I do a lot of and having them realize what it is that is wrong with their writing and then fixing their writing and then we do the same thing for orals we just start work on their orals I tell them what's wrong with what they're doing I show them how to do it better and we practice how they do it better, and eventually they just get it.
1: I've heard you use the technique of videotaping competitors. Do you find that's really effective?
0: It is, but I don't overdo it. I know a lot of schools do it right from the beginning. I tend to just do it once at the beginning so that they see where they started, and then I don't bring it in until towards the end. In fact, just today I'm going to start videotaping some of our students. We've done already some videotaping, but... I don't see much point in videotaping too early on. You first have to know what your argument is, because videotaping is useful to pointing out ticks, verbal, visual, but a lot of those ticks come from lack of preparedness or not knowing your argument. So I don't see much point in trying to correct them when I know what lies beneath is really just a lack of preparation, not being confident in your argument. So once you know your argument, then I can really deal with what I would call your true ticks.
1: So, what are some of these ticks? What are some of the biggest mistakes that you would say others make?
0: I would categorize them into about five. So there are the visual, the oral, the body language, the reactions, both emotional and. Um, I guess it's physical and there's a a fifth one out there which is just about managing your your stress levels so on the on the visuals the visual ticks that could be not enough eye contact too much eye contact darting eyes eyes that are basically walking around everywhere you have overuse of hands hands are fine but if they get out of control they distract people with longer hair tend to play with their hair Maybe they don't stand straight. Maybe they don't sit straight. Maybe they kind of sway back and forth. There are many, many visual distractions, and then oral distractions include people who overuse "um" and "ah." Our own prime minister has that problem. I don't think he can start a sentence without "ah," uh, which at some point you you really have to ask yourself: Has nobody ever told? A professional speaker that they sound like a jackass when they're saying I'm not sure if that's a legal term I apologize <laughs> I shouldn't use Latin but yeah you know, so those are some oral ticks and there are many I, I could go on but mm-hmm. uh, you know that's just some of the the stuff that I try to work with sometimes it's just verbal as well specific words Why I practice a lot or why I believe in practicing a lot, aside from the usual, is also to find the right word, because it's only by practicing your argument and changing up the word choices do you find the word that resonates. And I've seen it happen more than once that the same argument is delivered with a certain set of words, and then when you just change one of the words, suddenly the judges react. That's when you know you found the right word for that argument.
1: Oh, that sounds like a lot of good techniques. So how many hours would you say that your mooders put in on average?
0: Oof. They'll tell you a lot more. Yeah. I think what the difference is, is they put in a lot of physical hours. I don't know how many of those hours are, I would say, efficient hours. I still believe a mooder need not use more than two hours a day practicing for their mood. Uh-huh. A lot of them will tell you they're there for 10 or 12 hours a day. But very often it's because they're sitting around, chatting with their teammates, looking up YouTube clips, all this other nonsense. Actual hours, if you were to put a timer on them, I, I bet it's still not more than two. And that's all you need.
1: If you're working efficiently. That's right. And not looking at YouTube and clips. That's right.
0: And that's the role of a lawyer. My goodness. If you go into your office and watch YouTube clips, i am not billing out any anything. So.
1: That's true. So, on the day of these international moots, Mm -hmm. does your team have a morning regimen to get everyone's head in the game? Do you have a speech you give? (laughs) (laughs)
0: speech? No, I save my speeches for when we really need them. If it's a round that we must win, I'll save a speech for that. If it's going into the playoffs, a semi-final or a grand final, yeah, I don't abuse that speech making, otherwise it, it falls on deaf ears. As far as reg runs go, yes, we have them. Again, it depends on the team. In in years past, when we've had very athletic teams, some of them would go for a team run. Other teams have not been athletic, so I wouldn't impose that on them. But the basic idea is just to focus on the job. And the job that day is to make an argument either from one side or the other to know what it is that we're going to do, and we just go and do it.
1: So there's no weird spinach smoothies Uh, that they all have to drink or something. No, no,
0: I'd be too worried about that. And we've had some some big health freaks on the team in the past, so they're usually the ones trying to do that to me.
1: (laughs) So why do you think students should consider then getting involved in mooting? What are the advantages to mooting?
0: I can tell you what other law firms tell me, partners at law firms. A lot of law firms look for mooting on resumes. And the reason they do that is they know that if a student has gone through, and it's not all moots, but certainly moots that our school participates in that that have a good reputation, they know they're getting a candidate who has a very good idea about structuring legal arguments, has a very strong work ethic because we force people to learn how to work. So what they're getting from those students are basically students who are almost lawyer-ready. And a lot of my former students write to me after their first day in court, and it's something very, very kind, thanking me. But it's not. There's no need to thank me. It's their hard work, really. Uh, But it's about just being so happy that they got up, and it just felt like mooting. And people tell them that they're years ahead of where people are used to seeing a brand new, a fresh associate. My former students come off as fifth- and sixth-year associates on their first day, and so I think that's why moodyness is something students should probably want to get get involved in.
1: So it's definitely like a job advantage?
0: It's a job advantage from the hiring perspective, and it's a a literal job advantage when you're on the job.
1: Okay, so I have one last question for you. Yes. So what would you say are the top three skills that a student needs to become a great mooder? Oof.
0: Top three. I would I'd have to say less is more when it comes to mooting. A student who realizes that the point of making a legal argument is to use as few words as possible to make the point is a much more successful mooter than somebody who uses a hundred words when ten could have sufficed. So that's the first one, it's about really thinking through what is it that I'm going to say and what is the clearest way that I can say it. That's one. Two, you have to love learning. Uh, Mooting and advocacy going forward, my friends who are full-time advocates in the real world, they are constantly working on the craft. They'll send me videos saying, oh, you should see this, and these are seasoned litigators who well, if you'd look at them, you wouldn't think they'd need to practice at all, but they do. So you need to love what the, the point of litigating slash mooting is, which is finding a way to communicate legal ideas in a way that persuades the listener. It's not about tricking the listener. It's really about just showing the listener what your position is and why it's right. So if you're not somebody who loves learning and improving, mooting is not for you. And finally... Understanding that you'll have bad days. You'll have a bad day at the office where your argument just falls flat, and if you're the kind of person that it easily gives up, mooding is not for you, because mm-hmm. you will always have bad days. I had a bad day in a tournament. If I was the kind of person to give up, I wouldn't have coached all these teams. Instead, I took that bad day, and I made sure that as a coach, I would never let my students ever make the same mistake I made. So I think that kind of personality is what uh, makes for a great mooter.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you've given some future law students and current and even past law students information about what mooting really is and maybe inspired some people to try out. I
0: hope so, and I hope everyone does. And uh, if I can, uh, the last pitch, students who don't think that they are speaker types I would encourage them to come out to the mooting because some of my best students have been people who wouldn't fall into what you'd think is a traditional litigator, traditional Harvey Specter or whatever the current uh, TV personality is. Those are not always the best mooters. The best mooters are thoughtful, intelligent, hardworking.
1: Is there a TV character that you think represents a good mooter?
0: Hmm. Oh boy, that's a good question. I'd really have to give that some thought. Um, it's not Harvey Specter, I can tell you that. <laughs> huh? That's not what a good mooder is. I'd have to go back to the old days of, I forget the, the gentleman who wrote for Boston Legal. He had a few characters that were good. I'd have to go back and think about it.
1: I've never even heard of Boston Legal. Oh,
0: it's, it's a ridiculous but fun show.
1: Okay, maybe I'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for meeting with me today. Well,
0: thank you. And I hope this has been of some use.
1: It has been.
0: Good. <gasps> Thanks, Paige.
1: been listening to The Law School Show. You can find all our
0: episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook and get the latest updates from the Law School Show. Career Advancing Advice, right to your earbuds.